0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's funny because as we were talking in the intro, a lot of folks are talking about the return to normal. And I think within legal, we've hit a point of no return. I I think we're, we're at normal.
1: On the show today, we are talking to Jason Brennan, the CEO of Luminance, a company who we had on the show probably around two years ago now. So always great to catch up with a former guest and find out how legal and the legal tech industry is coping due to the pandemic. This is Tech Talks, it's your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, today joined by Akish, where we interview leaders from across the industry and bring you a bit of tech news. So on Wednesday, Akish, you're getting on a train or in the car to go to the Lake District?
2: A car. A car? A car, yeah, but there's a mini stopover. Well, well, I'm actually leaving Tuesday night. Right. uh, Staying over in Manchester. Tuesday night Uh, Wednesday picking up some people who are coming on that trip from Manchester um, and then making our way to the Lake District 12 of you big family jamboree in the lakes big family jamboree about four cars three or four cars loads of people not knowing what they're doing I'm sure there'll be everyone that's packed some stupid clothes Um, and there is also a uh, there's an evening at the Airbnb that we're staying, so we're having like a, a, a meal in and there's a dress code for uh shit shirts. Can we say that? Can, can I say that one? Yeah, shit
0: shirts. Yeah, sh- yeah. Oh shit
1: shirts. Sorry. Shit I thought you just shirt. started. I thought you were like shirts. I thought,
2: Why can't you say shirts? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so what was your dress code? You gotta wear shirts.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so shit shirts. Uh, what
1: like Hawaiian shirts?
2: Like Hawaiian shirts, yeah. But I've got um yeah, I've got a very bad... In fact, do you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture of it and... um you should do. It. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Stick
1: on, we'll stick it on the Twitter
2: feed. It's um, quite bad, yeah.
1: So are you going to be really trendy and a bit a bit wanky and go and do some wild swimming? It's, it's very on no. right now, isn't it? Is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, people love a bit of wild swimming.
2: Oh, right. No, I've, um, I was going to be the, the guy to do just some of the um, some of the hiking trails and then uh, a few river cruises. Um mm-hmm. And then there is a hot tub uh, at the place that we're staying, so I plan on using that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just chilling out, really, just getting some so, fresh air. And-
1: my dad's from the lakes, so I've hmm. been a few times. Cat Bells is really easy if you're just looking for a nice introduction to hiking. Yep. Uh, and there's, I can't remember which it is, but if you have a look on a map, there's one where you climb up, and then it's almost like a sheer drop. It's not a sheer drop, but it looks like it's going to be mm. over Coniston Water. Okay. And it's, it's a beautiful spot. It's an amazing view. I think really? it's on the south side looking up over Coniston Water. And that is well worth checking out. If you're going to do a bit of hiking, that's a yeah. nice, re- relative, relatively easy but good one.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, Funnily I was having enough. A... Sorry, go on. <clears throat> I was having a look at some of the uh, some of the apps that you can download that – you basically put in, you know, how many people, uh, what time of day you want to, you know, kind of go for a hike and then the, the level. And it was like the beginner, intermediate, expert. And like some of the, uh, so I clicked on the expert, obviously not being an expert, but I thought, oh.
1: Helvalen and Scorfell.
2: Yeah, I was like, well, let's let us see what the experts do. And some of it just looked so naughty i was like oh god i'm nah i was like that's that's not me and then it was one where you can do an overnight hike or something and leave at like 10 o'clock at night or something and then you 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 make it to a certain point by sunrise right. i was like no 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 one of one the things no. was to bring
1: torches. Wait, don't kill yourself.
2: yeah exactly don't, don't kill yourself yeah.
1: have a nice time it's the lake district it's yeah exactly it's not the alps um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funnily enough though before we move on to the interview I-, I was listening to the radio this morning and they were talking about the fact that flights to Europe are remarkably cheap trains to Truro very bloody expensive because staycation <laughs> is the name of the game this summer it's like you know forget five star Maldives train to the Lake districts, so it'll probably set you back about well a train a, tra- a single train to Truro advanced single is 180 quid
2: wow mental
1: mental anyway
2: that's, that's uh, why i left lake como for uh, the lake district twig. Right?
1: <laughs> exactly you know where it's at um today's guest is ceo of luminance jason brennan we will hand over to the interview we're talking all about legal tech and then myself and akisha will be back with some commentary so today we're talking to jason who is ceo at luminance uh, an organization who've been on the uh, on the show before when your your uh, predecessor Emily Fog was in the role. so it's lovely to welcome you to the show Jason and to have luminance back on the podcast. How are you today?
0: doing very well David and and thank you for uh, for having me on. Uh, I know Emily uh, spoke very highly of, of her experience and just a, a company keeps growing a lot of a lot of changes in the industry it's it's certainly exciting to be a part of the uh, technology space right now so great to come on and uh, and share some of my thoughts with you
1: now um, look, the, the show with Emily was probably a couple of years ago now. Mm. So it would be great if we could start over from scratch because we've got a few more listeners since then and, and just ask you to introduce, introduce who Luminance are and what you do.
0: Sure. So in, in a nutshell, to keep it simple, uh, Luminance is a artificial intelligence platform for the legal industry. So we are very focused on the legal space. And really what we do is we uh, leverage a core uh, technology engine, which is a built uh, proprietary blend of supervised and unsupervised machine learning uh, and pattern recognition technology. But really what we do is we help lawyers review vast amounts of of contracts and information uh, quickly and with greater confidence than historical methods. And you know, we have various features to help lawyers do that.
1: And the way that it was described to me when we first spoke to you is this idea that um you know, you you get people who are highly specialised and uh, trained through their education coming in and doing quite menial tasks in law firms, and you have these these highly skilled people in jobs that they probably don't particularly enjoy, and also clustering up the career path to partnership uh, in in firms, and that your tool was going to basically augment what what the what the firm was able to offer people, so that they were able to transition into the jobs that were more exciting earlier in their career. Um, I don't know whether that's changed in the last couple of years. From what you said there, I I would suggest not. But I would suppose right now, there is a huge demand and interest around the skills that you can provide, given that we are talking about automation and augmenting of people's roles across the sector, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I think you go back to kind of some of the early, uh, the, the lead in that, that you just had and helping uh, lawyers develop throughout their careers has certainly been uh, been a, a part of our tool. Uh, and if you look around today, there is a um, significant uh, competition for talent out there today and uh, making sure that talent progresses through their career quickly to add value to clients. So. Absolutely, you've seen that. But uh, to your end with the pandemic, uh, we've certainly seen that alter slightly and, and accelerate as well.
1: Before we come on to that, just a little bit about you. You're,
0: you're a mergers and acquisition attorney by background? Uh, a long time ago, and I will date myself throughout uh, throughout this <laughs> podcast, David. But uh, yeah, started started my career. And I think that's really helped me with a baseline of uh, the the activity that we're trying to help and trying to support, and and it's important to us because and I'll throw out my first uh, element of dating myself, which is when you think about AI, although there have been lots of movies in the interim, I go back to the Terminator days, and you feel that there is a a, a wave of legal professionals out there that have the understanding that what we do is trying to take away their jobs or replace the lawyer. And it's absolutely the exact opposite. Uh, And it goes back to to what you've just said about minutes of really what we try to do is bring key information to lawyers more quickly um, and give them more confidence that they've found what they're looking for in any kind of analysis so that they can do their job, which is what they've trained for in terms of providing legal uh, opinions and analysis to their clients and, and do it better and with greater confidence.
1: So, so look, you've, you've been in the industry in, in the kind of guise that you are now for around 10 years, where you're working alongside the legal profession, but within a, within a technology business. I've heard people talk about the fact that we've seen 10 years worth of acceleration in the space of three months at the moment. Is that your sense as well, having been in the industry for a decade?
0: Uh, Absolutely. Uh, And we're seeing that in our client base alone. I think uh, in the past six months, we've seen over 30% increase in clients, right? And so that represents or shows acceleration. And if I kind of take a step back, and it's funny with the pandemic, I feel like uh, it's Brexit too, in a way, right? It's, uh, It's something that people are somewhat tired of talking about. But when you look at the profound impact, both on adoption of tech and the outlook for the future. It's really something that's worth having these conversations about. Um, but, you know, absolutely, we've seen the acceleration. And we were seeing adoption early on, uh, pre-pandemic, but that's only uh, only accelerated, absolutely.
1: When you say that you'd seen adoption, one thing that I've heard people, again, I've heard people talk about this a lot, <laughs> is that, you know, necessarily, we've we've had tools like Teams for some time. If I think about my own organization, I think we had Teams installed Uh, either nine months to a year, roughly, before the pandemic. But no one really embraced it until it was suddenly thrust upon us, this set of circumstances. And and all of a sudden, it was like, oh, hang on a minute, this tool that's just been sitting there, oh, it's quite useful. Do you think that's a common thread that people have kind of, there are these tools that, that maybe technologists have been espousing for some time, but business hadn't really learned to love until this situation where they had no alternative?
0: I think that's absolutely right. And I'm uh, somewhat embarrassed to admit I was probably one of those people. Uh, I think about I think about discussions such as we're having right now, interviews in the past, uh, discussions with my employees and the de facto in the in the past was always in person or phone. And uh, I use video constantly now. And it's uh, it's I've really embraced it. It's been quite amazing in terms of the uh, ability to connect with people in a unobstructed manner. And, um, you know, absolutely is the answer to the question. And I think if we look at the legal profession, uh, as you've just said, there's been two, two things I can uh, cite to. One is necessity. So we have what I'll call as a rather conservative group or conservative profession that has now been forced to use it. I think you've, you've hit that spot on. And the other is an acceleration of market uncertainty. And uh, we talked about budgets earlier. Budgets have certainly been been put on hold, and uh, and that's created a greater focus on efficiency. So you put those all together, and uh, and we've seen a, a, a huge spike in adoption, and I think we're going to continue to see that.
1: When we talk about efficiency, what what do you think we're really talking about here? Because there 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 are a lot of firms who are obviously looking, unfortunately, to make people redundant at the moment, and, and it's yeah. it's understandable. Um, you know, you yourself. Before we hit record, we were we were having a quick chat, and you talked about the fact that you know salary and real estate are the are the two main costs for a professional services or organization. But cutting alone obviously doesn't stand your organization in good stead. So, how are people looking at, at, at pivoting their organization in a way that that will make it uh, fit to to come out of the other side of this and remain competitive, whilst also at the same time leaner.
0: Well, I think you hit a spot. I mean, that's what we're excited about. We're excited about not just that our business is booming, but that we believe we're able to come to the table with tools for our client base that will help them weather the storm and come out stronger on the other end. And I think our, our clients have certainly opened up to that. So efficiency means a lot of different things. You're absolutely right. But we look at one of them in terms of uh, being able to deal with a distributed work environment, right, which is something that we believe will continue on. And I say distributed because it's not just working from home. I mean, we see people consolidating with relatives in different time zones, going, you know, back to home countries, etc. It really is uh, distributed on a on a global scale. And so, having technology that helps with the administrative aspects of allocating work across those groups. Um, collaboration in terms of uh, uh, you know notes and uh, working through documents together, monitoring productivity of folks. So there's a lot of elements there that technology can help with in that environment. But then you go to the other that you just mentioned, and, and I talk about uh, the, the kind of efficient working caused by the uncertainty of the pandemic. And we just see our clients opening up to a wider understanding of what efficiency means. So probably the most obvious is Keeping costs down and being able to stay competitive, and and perhaps uh, get your clients to do work that maybe they might be hesitant to. But on a larger scale, I think we're seeing people look at the fact that it's not a zero sum game, right? So uh, one of the things we saw clients worrying about is, hey, technology might take away work from us, reduce billings, and and that's not good for us. But we've we've seen them realize that there's actually more work out there. Again, not a zero sum game, and that by being able to act more efficiently, it opens the door to, uh, to more opportunities of, of revenue types. And that leads to the last point on flexibility that you mentioned, which is, you know, we've had a bunch of firms now see that being able to stay flexible and pivot to new revenue sources is, is something that's very helpful as well. And uh, I, we talked earlier in the intro about the, um, uh, your conversation with Matt in the insurance space, Uh, And one of the topics you talked about was business interruption, and I I Mm. can use that as an example, right? I mean, you've got a lot of organizations scared, trying to figure out, um, maybe it's force majeure, right? Am I on the the supply side or am I on the buy side and how might there be force majeure impacts to my various obligations? Business interruption, right? Has there been some mag, you know, substantive interruption to my business that I might have to go to my insurance companies to look for? Um, so there's a lot of use cases now that were unexpected and being able to help clients get ahead of this and really dig into these obligations and understanding them upfront has been something that we've seen very beneficial to our client base.
1: One thing I'd be really interested to kind of pick your brains about would be the the, the fact that, that a 30% increase in your client base in such a short period of time can't have really been something that you planned for. Obviously, it's a good problem, but you would have looked at growth on a certain scale and you probably would have looked at resources in-house to cater for those clients at, at a certain scale. And you've got people here who, as you talked about, they're working in distributed working environments. Some of them might be quite hesitant. This might be the first time that they've adopted some of these technologies. How have you as an organization responded to that sudden surge in interest? And I suppose perhaps different ways of using your technology or using your technology in ways that you hadn't envisaged.
0: it's been There's been some challenge there, but there's been some help along the way. And uh, so it really goes back to the design and the benefits we have from some of the great brains in Cambridge who developed this technology, which is it's a very simple technology to use. And when you look at legacy technologies, they were quite difficult to use. A lot of training of users and certifications, uh, literally you would get certifications and that you knew how to use the tool and it would take months or years to achieve those certifications. Uh, A lot of these technologies required pre-training so you'd have to train the system in bespoke ways and teach it all of the things you wanted it to learn before you were able to really use it effectively. And and next-gen technology has solved a lot of that. So it, it's not just that people are being forced to use the technology. It's actually much easier to use, and we've benefited from that to a great degree.
1: Now there's, there's something there that, that's very interesting, because you talk about travel and traveling all over the world. A lot of organizations at the moment are, are talking about a return to normal. I, I imagine that one aspect of returning to normal that you're not going to do is start travelling again, just because you can. Where do you think organisations are are now looking at this as being completely, as opposed as opposed to a, a an interruption of normal, to it being re, re, redrawing how their organisations work and what what work even means to to, to someone, you know. If you drew a line in the sand that normal kind of existed, how far beyond that are you now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's funny because as we were talking in the intro, a lot of folks are talking about the return to normal. And I think within legal, we've hit a point of no return. I, I think we're we're at normal and it is uh, and it is this adoption. And some of the factors that you've mentioned, I mean, we look at two of the, the biggest impact ways that uh, legal profession can impact their cost structure. And it's real estate and and people. Uh, On the real estate front, I think people are understanding we don't need to be sitting right next to each other. And again, I'm embarrassed to admit I was one of those people. I I historically have liked to be around my team because I felt like we could bounce ideas off each other. It was more collaborative. And you know what I found in this pandemic is I found that through video conferencing and again, some of the more direct communication I've had, gotten to know people better than I did with someone that I was sitting 10 feet from uh, in the office. So I think the the fact that, and I think the other thing that we've seen is by and large, people entered this pandemic saying, oh my goodness, I don't know how we're gonna deal with this. But at the end of the day, I think everybody said, wow, it's kind of worked, right? We've kind of gotten through it and we've we've managed to, to deal with it. So I think on the real estate front, you're probably not going to see that go back to what we've seen before. And then on the people front, uh, I mentioned earlier, what we're really seeing is a war on a, for talent within legal, right? There's there's more demand than there are people. And that's largely because those people have been focused in the most high cost cities throughout the world. And now you look at what this opens up, which is leveraging talent on a global basis, almost anywhere, being able to join your team and be productive. Uh, and when you put those two together, I just think we've, we've hit a point of, of no return and, technology will really be the glue to pull that all together.
1: Out of interest. I've, I've heard suggestions of people saying, yeah, if you want to be re- fully remote, fine. You know, organizations going, we, we're going to be fully remote from now on, never going back to the office. But if you want to live in X, Y, Z, we'll pay you 80% of what your current salary is. And there's <laughs> suge- suggestions of people going, oh, well, if you're not in London, you don't need a London salary. And I'll be perfectly honest, to me that's kind of odd because they were never paying people to travel there anyway. It's, it's Surely you're, you were paid a salary on your skill set. If there's more demand than there are people in the market. Surely if organizations have that attitude initially, that's going to have to change because people will realize that they have a lot more leverage.
0: I think that's right. And I think in in, in elements of the legal industry, you've seen that already. I mean, there's been salary escalation in, in certain areas, maybe some more than others, but I think you'll see a homogenization throughout the world. I think it will open up new talent and new competition for positions uh, on a global basis in, in more remote areas that haven't been possible before. And I think people will understand. I mean, we have not taken the view you just described. I, I haven't heard that as as widely spread. I think it will probably be more as you refill roles and whatnot, you'll be able to do it in a more cost-effective manner. But I think, look, when you break down as an employee, your budget of commu- commuting into major cities and cost factors and maybe the fact now you can live a little further out and get more for your money uh, and not have that daily commute. I think we're going to see some changes that that are permanent.
1: Well, look, it's, it's fascinating to talk to you. Uh, it's, it's great to catch up with Luminance and have, have you back on the show. And um, look, it, it sounds like it's an exciting time for the organization. So I hope it continues to go well.
0: Well, we thank you uh, for having us on, uh, David. And uh, it certainly is exciting. And uh, we look forward to another update in the near future uh, with, with even greater things. But thank you for having us today.
1: I don't know what, what stood out to you, but there were a few uh, there were a few areas that I thought were really quite interesting. I like the fact that he was talking about a wider understanding of efficiency and uh, you know, uh-huh. it's not a zero sum game. Um, so more organizations are working uh working out how to be how to kind of monitor their activity through different efficiencies and new revenue streams and new new routes to the market. Um uh-huh. I think that's a really important lesson that that just because we are now operating in a slightly di- different world. We shouldn't measure everything by the way we were doing pre-pandemic.
2: Mm, definitely. And I think I he think, I think mentioned it in there, it's all about kind of adopting new ways of working, adopting newer technology, that sort of thing. So it's about, yeah, you know, the metrics or, or the measurements to, to measure success and stuff will still be the same regardless of post-COVID or pre-COVID. But I think if you can... Have new newer routes to market, and like you said, you know the clients and stuff that they're looking to build up. Um, I think was it thirty percent increase in the last six months that they've they during, yeah. oh, during lockdown. During lockdown, during, during lockdown.
1: So so six weeks, I suppose, really, or, yeah. or maybe more,
2: but yeah, so I mean, more. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I mean, the numbers that you know that's showing is just it goes to show that their clients, which obviously you know other companies investing in tech, investing in products like this, it just goes to show that, that there are so many people. Looking at, I think there's there's two arguments. A, looking to maybe just stay afloat and 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 keep a product or service running for you know the the work that they do, but also B, looking to get ahead of competition because like we've discussed in this podcast, there'll be so many companies coming out, so many people that will be, you know, coming out of this kind of pandemic or, or lockdown period, and organizations being born that they just want to stay ahead of the curve and and kind of not fall back. Um, competition I
1: think yeah yeah and I I think that's that that it kind of that underscores that point about about revenue streams because he talks about pivoting he talks about the need to be flexible enough to pivot during this period and actually if you do there is opportunity you don't want to just stay alive Mm. There's, there's actually in, in challenging markets, there are always or are always opportunities, and that was mentioned uh, um, just a couple of shows back. You know, uh, mm. it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing theme where we're beginning to see people talk about. I think during the at the beginning of, of of the lockdown, people were talking about, oh, we're working from home, and actually we're finding it's okay, and everything's okay, and kind of you know everyone was kind of getting uh, adjusted to the new normal. Versus now, the conversations are, if you're open to it, there is opportunity out there. Mm. Yes, there are casualties. And yes, there are people being made redundant and and there are firms that are struggling and that is awful, but there are opportunities. And I think the key message to keep getting across is that if you are flexible as an organization, if you do pivot, you can find a way forward that protects jobs and even possibly opens up opportunities to bring more people in and and to help help not only uh, swell your bank balance, but to to bring people on a journey with you that that helps um, them out too
2: hundred percent, and I think that's where it's changed a little bit, where that's the shift, or that's where the shift has been, because what you had at the start of the lockdown was the sensitivity factor, I think, which is slowly and and I know you know, and understand that it's been a horrible time for a lot of people that have been affected directly, indirectly, um, you know jobs wise, but more more importantly, you know that may have lost loved ones and and kind of family members and and you know that sort of thing. but I think now what, what's happening is organizations are saying, right, we do need to kind of get on with it and, and, and just deal with the blows or the hand that we've been dealt. Um, and from that side of things, I think it's, uh, from, from a consumer or, or from someone, you know, who is, um, I guess probably a target audience for, for a lot of technology companies, um, possibly not the, the AI for legal, uh, professionals, um, not, not the target audience for that, but, um, you know, it just goes to show that there will be a lot of new things available and that businesses have just tried to kind of, you know, move on with, with how we're facing business now or how we're facing mm-hmm. technology within, you know, within the, the post COVID, even though we're not kind of past it. Okay. Post-ish. Post-ish, yeah. yeah. Hopefully storm. post-ish,
1: hopefully not the yeah. the storm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do also like the point that he admits that he was probably quite old school in his thinking um, and he didn't think that collaboration was possible remotely, but he concedes that he thinks he's got to know people better now than he did. Do you think that? I don't know. I suppose I've got to know people in a different way. Mm. I suppose you've got to get to know colleagues in their own homes and when they're a bit more relaxed and i suppose when we're in the office we're all in certain roles and maybe when you're on one-on-one phone calls and whatever else and talking to each, yeah. other, each other's
2: homes and it's
1: i don't know maybe it is a bit different and i like though the point that he he thinks that has has helped collaboration
2: i think it's i think it has helped just uh find out different dynamics of people mm. i think um i mean we were having a conversation before we started recording about you know an italian football team in the 90s right and yep talking about that sort of thing and would that conversation have come up if me and you were in the office well I probably wouldn't be
1: wearing a Fiorentina shirt exactly
2: exactly and yeah I don't know it just allows you to to kind of understand um people a bit more and and for people to open up I think um and I think where it's benefited is I know I obviously know a lot of people but people like you and me Dave we we don't necessarily struggle with confidence in, in certain situations. I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, um, you, you lead a whole load of events, we do the podcast, all that sort of thing. But I think certain people that uh, don't necessarily like to come out of their shell with with newer people, I think with the whole virtual thing and, and them being in their home or in their own kind of surroundings, it's allowed their personalities to come out more which has meant that they're probably being used better now for the work, for their business, um, which then, you know, kind of filters into getting the best out of your people. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think, I think that's great. Um, I've, I've got a few friends like that, that, you know, have actually found that they are more open to sharing their ideas and their opinions with their work. Um, now that they're, you know, kind of working from home because they, they know that they won't get laughed at in a room. Um, if the idea is not kind of any good or, 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 you know, whatever. And they know that there's less kind of, you know, stuff coming back at them if they were to do or say something wrong. Um, so I think that's helping from a, from a human element as well, to be fair, which is, which is very, very good.
1: Look, um, Jason, I want to say thanks for coming on and being our guest for this week's show. Uh, it's brilliant to have Luminance back on the show. Always nice to have a returning guest and, and a different voice from that same business. So that's fantastic. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about Pixel's new headphones. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Um, as mentioned, we're talking about Pixel Buds. We're not uh, a B2C um, show. Don't worry, there is a there is a slight different kind of tech angle to this. So, um, yeah, it's the AirPod rival that Google have brought to the market. Um, I think at 179 quid, they are competitively priced. Nice box, stick in your ears, whatever else. Yep, fine. Oh. The reason why I wanted to talk about this, Kish, is that they've also got Google Translate built in. So this is the standout feature, which basically uses the app on your phone to translate your speech and others' in and out of your language. So, for example, you can speak in English and your phone will translate out loud into German and while doing the reverse into your ears. So if someone speaks to you in German, your ear your earphones will play it in English in your head. Now, it's not a feature that the reviewer has been able mm. to test out properly in lockdown. Mm. I thought I'd find out, because on the surface, this is great, right? Yeah. On the surface, this is fantastic. But there's yeah. a part of me that's like, isn't half the fun of traveling, not being able to speak the language and just muddling through. And sometimes you, you discover stuff because you're a little bit hamstrung.
2: Yeah. But what, what about accents and dialects? How does that work? So me and you are speaking the same language on this podcast, Yeah, but we both have a different accent and different ways of, of saying certain words. So does that also kind of, you know, come in in the same, same way? Um, would they be able to pick it up? I don't
1: know. I'd hope that this piece of AI is going to get better over time. So I'd imagine when you first stick them in, it might struggle with accents, mm. dialects. I mean, I think if you take them to the back streets of Glasgow, or mm. let's, where else has a really? Th- I mean, Glasgow is probably the least penetrable accent in the UK if it's really. Scouse? what about Scouse? I think I think Scouts. I think even if, even even Scouts is easier to understand than really yeah. strong Glaswegian. Yeah, true. True, true. Um, So yeah, maybe that would be tricky. I mean, I, I also just think of the times where, like, I, I remember I had a holiday in the Czech Republic years ago, right? Um, and mm. I didn't speak Czech, obviously. And um, they, they basically, the only other alternative they gave you was German and they didn't speak English. and I don't speak any German. So basically, we basically had to sit there in a restaurant with a phrase book, look up the word chocolate, and then find the word chocolate on the menu to even know which page was the dessert menu.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. because our
1: our reasoning was like there's got to be something chocolate on the dessert menu because let's face it what what restaurant in the world doesn't have chocolate somewhere and then we just kind of went right well it's obviously this page that one it was great because we literally we had no idea like what we were looking at on each page of the menu and ended up with all these random different dishes some of which we weren't quite so keen on and some of which were amazing but I don't know I kind of feel that that would be spoiled by something like this which is probably a very kind of Luddite backward thinking kind of point of view
2: true but also, then there's the the horror stories of people ending up in certain situations when they're abroad because they didn't understand the language. Yeah, uh, true. Do you get what I mean? So it's like, yeah. whilst it's whilst it's fun in a restaurant, I do also understand some people potentially may run into some risk if they don't, you know. So pick, of-
1: pick and choose your situations. If you're safe and you're in a restaurant, yeah, maybe switch them off and have a bit of fun and immerse yourself in the culture. Yeah. If you need to actually make yourself, you're understood. Here's something yeah. that can augment your experience. But yeah, mate,
2: exactly. Don't rely
1: on it too much, folk.
2: Yeah, but it it does look very cool. And to be oh. fair, I mean, how can you make some AirPods or, or sorry, what are they call Pixel Buds? Pixel Buds. Pixel Buds. It's a how, how how can you make in ear headphones more appealing? You just put some technology in them that you know tells yeah. you tells you what someone else in another language is saying. So fair play to Google. Um, yeah. Yeah, let, let's see. I'm sure you'll be getting a pair, Dave. you no, a... no,
1: no, no? I've got my running headphones, but let's face it, uh, holiday romances never going to be the same again, are they? It's going to be a lot easier to, although I, I, I suppose if you met some girl in a club, if you're like, hang on a minute,
2: yeah, I think I'm not going
1: to work on a podcast covering my ears <laughs> as if you're trying to hear over the loud music, but that's, well, going, that's going to be tricky.
2: I mean, you do that on the best of days when some girls try talking to you, not you? I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you cover your ears when your missus is trying to uh, when your missus is trying to get you to do stuff. Uh,
1: no, no, no I right. always pay attention.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. Fair enough.
1: Thank you for your time today, Akish. Um, no problem. We will man. be back. Um, Akish won't be. He's going to the late districts, but we'll be back as usual on Friday.